Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey is always top shelf. Whether you got your start as a dynasty veteran, a Millbury survivor, or you were born into the Church of Trots, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, here are your eclectic hosts, Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program. It is Sunday, October 18th, 2020. Got another big off-season show coming up for you tonight. David Panyota from the fourth period will be joining us to talk off-season moves and the New York Islanders. My name is Sean Cuthbert. With me as always is Mr. Christian Arnold. Christian, how are you? Well, I can tell you with Definity, I'm doing better than the New York Jets, so that's a plus. <laughs> is that right? What's going on in Jetsland, man? Oh, just Owen oh forever. Owen oh forever. That sounds bad. Yeah, they're terrible. Really? They're terrible. Luckily, we talk about the Islanders, who are not ter- terrible. Who are far from terrible, I would say, actually, which is lovely. Probably the lovely pinnacle of New say. York sports right now. Yeah, how about that? Them that's and, a, them that's and a the nice Yankees. feeling for Islander fans. Them and the Yankees, man. Right. Yeah, and the Yanks were, were close to advancing to the to the next round, right? And they forced the game five, right? And then they lost in yes, time, my yeah. best year. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we can just talk about hockey then. That's, that's what we do on this it's podcast. It's probably... So, uh, let me bail you out here. Thank you. I appreciate that. I want to remind <laughs> everybody that we are sponsored by the Great Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. Please head on over for great food great people, and great Islander fans. Check out the menu, bluelinedeli.com. And also, we are sponsored by Thai Technology, a voice-over IP company providing phone services for businesses across the country. If you're tired of dealing with long-hold times and the impersonal service of companies like Spectrum, Optimum, and Verizon, give Thai Technology a call at 516-856-7800. They are from Long Island, and they are diehard Islander fans. So... The Islanders finally made some moves of significance, Christian. Yes. Maybe a couple that caught some of us by surprise. Corey Schneider signing a one-year deal to shore up the goaltending depth. Unofficially. Yes, it hasn't been officially announced, but Lou Lamarillo pretty much confirmed confirmed it it unofficially. So after uh, Christopher Gibson going to Tampa, he's probably going to man the nets over at Bridgeport. and I guess he's a little insurance in case... Maybe Ilya Sorokin's slow out of the gate, or if any, God forbid, injuries hit. But at least they have another option, goaltending, if need be. If you remember, Christian, back when you were around 12, Garth Snow <laughs> tried to get him back in the 2013 draft. I mean, I was at the 2013 and draft. so was him. I, actually. That yeah. was at The Rock. That was at The yeah. Rock. That was a long day. That was a long day. That was a seven-round marathon yeah. that started, I think, I want to say, at like uh-huh. noon and didn't end until like those, eight, 9 o'clock. Those were the days back when we used to run into each other in the press box a long time ago. Yeah, and yeah. then you, uh, you weren't cool enough anymore. <laughs> I abandoned ship. That was it. <laughs> Couldn't do it anymore. But, yeah, and then, funny enough, Lou Lamarillo was the guy who swooped in and got him. Right, for the New Jersey Devils. Yeah, the number nine overall pick, which ended up being Bo Horvat. But uh, he's he's an Islander now. <laughs> oh, no, again, unofficially, he's, he's but basically. Now. He will, yeah, it's, it's, it's happening. It's happening. So that happened, and then the big shocker for me, and probably most of you out there in Islander country, Devon Taves goes to Colorado for two second-round picks and some needed cap relief now that he will no longer need to be signed. Right. What do you say, CA? Yeah, that was interesting, especially considering we had talked about it on this program last week, and now we kind of look like a little bit of fools because we... A bit. A bit. 
we were like, oh, you know, we don't understand why people are so down on Devontae. In fairness, still don't understand why people <laughs> yeah, are down on yeah. Devontae. And I think that's the crux of what we were saying right. and nothing else. But this was a move that came out of necessity. The Islanders needed some sweeteners for any deals that would involve Johnny Boychuk, that would involve um, potentially Nick Letty, Andrew Ladd, if there's some deal out there to be made or there's some team in desperate need of cap space or, or you know, to, to reach the cap floor, I should say and make a deal for, for Andrew Ladd. But right. this was a deal that needed to be made because the Islanders needed those sweeteners. They get two second-round picks back in return for Devontae's, and it gives them a little bit more to bargain with when it comes to dealing for guy, dealing guys with a little bit more cap significance on their roster. So th- it was a needed move. It was surprising because, obviously, Devontae's is a guy that we all viewed as... Uh, part as of the core. A part of the core going forward. Yeah. He was a guy that became a big part. He was a top-four defenseman for the New York Islanders, basically since he came up last year in December of... Uh, December 23rd, I want to say, was his first game as a New York That's Islander or something like that. That's pretty good if you got like the that. exact date. Um, well, I had to write about it, so I kind of committed ah, some of those, right. Your job, yes. some of those, those uh, dates <laughs> to memory. But he sure. was called up in December. He got his first NHL goal January the uh, January 3rd, I believe it was, against the Chicago Blackhawks. It was the game overtime game winner against the Blackhawks at Nassau Coliseum. That was his first NHL goal. So he's become a mainstay with the Islanders, which... Obviously, it's surprising and disappointing to see that he was the one traded. But when you look at it, when you look at what Lou was saying, Lou Lamorello was saying, yeah. and the conference call afterwards, that was a deal that came out of, you know... Necessity. Necessity was a deal that came out of... It wasn't necessarily that he was a guy that the Islanders targeted to trade away to get something in return. It was just the way the conversation went. Right. And this was a deal that needed to be made. It didn't help either that he had filed for arbitration. And mm-hmm. that kind of put some uncertainty in how much the Islanders were going to have to pay him to get retain his services going forward because he was a restricted uh, free agent. And he had that right to arbitration. So these are all things that combined, according to Lou Lamorello, to put this trade into play. And what became um, you know, the actual trade for, for Devontae's for, to Colorado. Yeah, and, you know, I said it on Twitter. I'm not a fan. <laughs> I, You know, I, I'm one of those people that envisioned him as part of that, not just the core of the team, but you, you build up that drafted, essentially, core four defensemen, right? Yeah. Between yeah. Pellick, Pollock, Taves, and Mayfield, all coming up through the system, all young. And, I mean, obviously it's hard to keep that group together in a cap world, especially in a COVID cap world. And he, that's why we are where we are right now. I mean, like you said, Lou essentially said this is not this was not Plan A, right? Dealing Devontae, it probably wasn't Plan B either. You know, obviously their options were limited to begin with. We knew this, and everybody pretty much thought it would be maybe a guy like Letty, or you know, they would get rid of Boychuk and possibly LTIR Lad or something like that, which I think will still happen if he doesn't get dealt. They keep saying that on this show. Right. And, you know, Letty's name you brought up before, as I just mentioned, uh, Arthur Staple came out and said, I believe, in a piece or and or a tweet and said that the Islanders have no plans of trading Nicoletti. Apparently, he is on the untouchable list the New York Islanders. I mean, at this point, I don't necessarily know if there's anyone untouchable for the Islanders. It's it's more likely that um, there are certain teams, there are certain guys that just, their contracts are tough to deal. Uh, Johnny Boychuk is one of those guys as well, especially with an eight-team trade clause that uh, kind of limits where he can go, though, as Arthur noted, uh, I believe it was in a story the other day, Saturday or, or Friday, perhaps, 
where the Islanders are essentially going to go, you're not going to really going to play this year. So what's the point of even keeping this 18 trade list? And you know, unless you you're just holding out. But right. I, I mean, if you want to play, Long Island may not be the place for Johnny Boychuk. It's, right. it's just the circumstances the Islanders are in. They can't mm-hmm. they can't keep his contract on the books and expect to resign um, uh, a Pulak or uh, or Matt Barzal or any get, resign these other free agents that are basically sitting in a holding pattern because the Islanders still need the cap room, right? We're also talking about Andy Green. We're talking about Matt Martin. We're talking about Corey Schneider now. So these are all right. guys who are in a bit of a holding pattern. These deals basically sound like they're all done, but because the Islanders don't have the cap room, because the Islanders are still trying to deal a mm-hmm. Boychuk, a, a Lad, a Letty, or whoever the case may be, mm-hmm. that these deals cannot be done because the cap room just isn't there. And then the focus becomes they have to re-sign Matt Barzell. I think the the idea of, of, of an offer sheet was crazy beforehand, mm-hmm. but now it's be, it's gone it's it's not going to happen at this point. No, the, it's the not going to happen. The teams that were going to offer sheet or the teams that the, he would want to go to that would offer sheet him just don't have the cap space. Everyone's in the right. same boat at this point, right? right. The, the free agents that are signing, we, we saw with the, the Taylor Hall deal. I, I would even say we saw with the Evgeny uh, Dadanoff deal where these guys are going one-year deals and yeah. getting decent money from teams mm-hmm. that they know have space and gives them the opportunity to go somewhere else afterwards, which are more competitive teams. When the hope also would be that the cap goes back up again and it allows for a little more extra money exactly, for teams yeah. and maybe they can you know they bet on themselves for a year and maybe they can cash in again the next year and just to keep it on Taves for a second you know I understand the deal we know why it happened you still don't have to like it yeah no Colorado um, got a great player in, in Devontae's yeah and despite the the notes that we made about some of the gaffes that he had in the playoffs and and it's interesting. I, I forgive me. I forget who the source was who who said it on Twitter, but somebody had pointed out, and I and I noted it, that um, apparently he was fifth in ice time uh, for the Island defenseman during the playoffs. I believe, at least I saw it on Twitter. So I'm going to assume it's true because <laughs> <laughs> anything you see on Twitter is obviously yeah, true. Of course, but assuming that is true, it kind of helps at least give a window into the mindset of Barry Trotz and management when they are assessing who they are willing to deal. And if he ends up sliding down to that five spot in ice time, maybe they didn't have as much confidence as, as in him as they did the other players in that defense core for one reason or another. And it, and it made them look at each other and say, hey, look, this is obviously not a player we want to lose. But because of the situation that we're in and what we're able to get back from Colorado, we're going to have to bite the bullet here and just make the deal. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to double check that. I'm not 100 percent sure. Of yeah, I, I wish that. that wasn't so unprofessional, <laughs> <laughs> but it is what it is. Go on, Christian. Sorry, but um, I mean, even if that's the case, you know, he's he's a guy, and it's the first year of his of his of first full NHL season, right? He was he was thrown into the fire of his first year when they brought him up during the the middle of that 2018-2019 season, Mm. if my years are correct. So he was already kind of, he was thrown into a spot, and then this year he was given a bit of a bigger role. I know that, you know, he is a guy that was still getting a lot of ice time regardless, and then, of course, he was um, someone, I believe, he was like second in defense during and scoring during the regular season and in the playoffs. So even if you take away the fact that the ice time necessarily wasn't there, he was still putting up a lot of points. It's a a tough pill to swallow. I understand the move. I understand the necessity to do it. You don't have to like it. You can definitely not like the deal, but it was a move that needed to be made because the Islanders needed those extra pieces to find a way to do a deal. And even that being said, we're still sitting here nearly a week later, and they are still trying to move Johnny Boychuk. 
very actively trying to move Johnny Boychuk. Yeah, if if you if you're reading Twitter and <laughs> reading all the all the stuff that's coming out, it looks like that's something that may be coming down the pike and thankfully we're going to be talking to an expert on that subject soon. And, you know, final thought on Taves. Look, he's a great defenseman. I thought he was going to be a great part of that top four. And, look, I'm just looking for ways to kind of ease the blow here and look at how this might still work out. Obviously, the Islanders are touting Noah Dobson. Yes. They, they think he's ready to step in and take over, and, and that eases the blow if he does. If he's ready to go and maybe he fills that spot, even though Taves is a lefty, Dobson's a righty, but I'm sure they'll figure that out. But, look, it's, it's, it sucks from that standpoint – but look, this is the world we're living in. This was not the plan, and no NHL team prepares for a potential pandemic that comes once every 100 years. Nobody saw this coming. Nobody yeah. knew there was going to be a flat cap. <laughs> Lou is up against the wall, and, and this is what he had to do. It is what it is, and hopefully he's, he's able to come out from the cap with some other moves and uh, maybe even add to the team. But with that being said, Christian, we got a break because David Panyota of the fourth period will be joining us. We're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. Customer service is the backbone of any great business, and reliable telecommunication is essential to keeping your client base happy. Introducing Thai Technology, a low-cost, flexible internet phone service founded on the idea that every customer deserves exceptional service while providing simple setup and management and easy integration to clients across the country. Thai Technology will not only create a custom solution tailored to your specific needs, but will partner with you to provide a competitive edge to you and your clients. And if you need support, you won't be routed to an automated call center in another other country, you'll get a live representative that had a personal hand in building your account. So Islander fans, if your business is looking for a change from companies like Spectrum, Verizon, or Optimum, Thai Technology is offering three free months of service for any of its affordable packages. Just call 516-856-7800, that's 516-856-7800, or visit them on the web at thaitechnology.com, that's Thai, T-I-E, technology.com. Thai Technology, the right choice for your internet phone service. The only thing better than a Great Long Island Deli is a Great Long Island Deli run by diehard Islander fans. Blue Line Deli and Bagels located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington will make any Islander fan feel right at home with its familiar blue and orange theme and Isles decor. Blue Line Deli and Bagels proudly serves Bagel Boss Bagels along with breakfast favorites, hockey themed heroes, quesadillas, salads, fresh made smoothies, and much more. So stop on in for delicious food, a clean atmosphere, and a happy staff ready to greet you with friendly service no matter what team you support. Want to place an order for pickup? Call 631-944-3222 or visit bluelinedeli.com to check out the menu and order online. Blue Line Deli and Bagels, where the great selections will have you saying, yes, yes, yes. Did you have a nice break? Well, it's time to get back on the couch for more Islanders Therapy with Shawnee and C. Arnold on Hockey Night in New York. Welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. Joining us right now from the fourth period, editor-in-chief and host and analyst at Sirius XM Radio, Mr. David Panyota. David, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? I'm doing great this evening. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Let's talk a little offseason here. We'll get into some Islanders. And the first question I want to start with is, with the way things are in the world right now, in the world of hockey, have there been any noticeable differences in the nature of this offseason for you with with everything obviously so crazy and what's going on? 
Yeah, I mean, there, there's it's it's significantly different. You see the dollars that are being tossed out and the types of contracts that are being uh, signed here in in free agency. The first, you know, a little over a week into things, about ten days, and there's still a substantial amount of free agents that are still available, and it's a direct correlation, a direct result of what's been happening financially around the league due to the the COVID nineteen pandemic. A lot of teams are being a lot more frugal, a lot tighter with their money and are trying to convince a lot of these players that are still available to say, hey, we know you might be a $2 million player, but given the state of the league, given the fact that the cap is where it's at and it's going to be steady for at least you know another couple of seasons, you know, we're only going to be able to give you 900000 or something to that effect. Like that's, that's the equivalent of the conversations that are kind of going on. A $5 million player, well, hey, sorry, how about three and a half? So that that's made things a lot more difficult across the league, and it's made things a little more challenging to, from a reporting perspective. Because you know, usually a lot of these players are already, you know, they've already signed their deals and found their homes, and we're just sitting here waiting. Dave, from a from an Islanders perspective here, obviously one of the big things that people have been looking for was that Johnny Boychuk trade or or a, a equivalent trade because the Islanders have such a uh, tight cap crunch yeah. at the moment. Can you give us any insight as to what is going on with the Johnny Boychuk trade or any other chatter that you're hearing at the moment? Yeah, my understanding is that that's still very much in the works and that's still being kind of decided upon and, and, and worked out um, from from management's perspective. I, as of now, expect Johnny Boychuk to be on a different team next season. Um, I, I would imagine they'd like to get things kind of cleared up in short order here because uh, they have some other guys that they're looking at from a free agent perspective. They do want to, you know, retain, and they have been working on, you know, Andy Green and, and Matt Martin trying to get those guys locked in, but everything kind of correlates. And with the contracts that have to come to Matt Barzell and to Ryan Pulak, they've got to create some additional space here. So, while I'm anticipating something happening still with regards to Johnny Boychuk, I, I, they're, they're looking at other avenues too. And we certainly heard Leo Komarov's name out there as well as another potential that could be moved if the right deal falls into place. Right on. And, and you mentioned that they may be looking to add to the team as well. And I'm curious, when you look at what's remaining, you know, as far as the unrestricted free agents go, and you have maybe some tiers here, you have maybe Hoffman that's still in that top tier as far as, you know, scoring forwards go, and then it goes down from there. You think they're looking at that top tier, or maybe they're looking for something to add more as a, as a depth, maybe a middle six or bottom six, six type of guy? I think, I think mid-six is kind of the range that they're looking at, primarily, again, because of the financial restraints that are on the team with respect to the contracts that are eventually going to come for Barzell and Pulak. So, I'm not anticipating them. Well, yeah, they think, you know, like almost every team, you kick the tires, you call, you know, certain, certain player agents and try to figure it out. Um, So I'm sure they've reached out to Mike Hoffman, but I I don't think, you know, just using him as an example, I don't think that the dollars are going to work for them. He's looking between five and 6 million bucks a year. Mm -hmm. um, And it could just be on a one year. So quite frankly, I see trying to, you know, them looking at bargain type deals that they can get, you know, a guy like a Tennessee or a Duclair at a bargain I, to, to kind of fill a, a role in their mid-six, I think that would be the preferred direction they go in if they do dip their toe into the free agent forward market. I just want to follow up with, with uh, something about uh, Boychuk and Komarov. Obviously, those two also have some some clauses in their contract that have kind of allowed them yeah. the destination that they, they go to. How much has that played a factor into the, the Islanders' ability to move 
either one of them or maybe someone else. Um, and how much has the conversation shifted to uh, the fact that it would more be work to their benefit maybe going somewhere else because the playing time is just not going to be there next season for, for those two in particular? Right. Yeah, and that, that could certainly play a factor there, you know, and, and it's two different spectrums. Like Komarov, I believe, has a 17 no trade, and I think Johnny Boychuk has an 18 trade list, which my understanding is that management has conveyed the message to Boychuk's camp and that they, there's some kind of understanding as to how this is going to eventually unfold. So I believe he's, he's well aware of the situation, um, which kind of goes beyond the fact that they're, they're kind of anticipating something happening here. I'm a little surprised it hasn't happened already, but I don't run the team. So that's up to Lou and that's up to you know, management to right. kind of figure things out. Um, but from, you know, Komarov's perspective, there's a lot more flexibility there because there's only a seven team. I think it's a seven team, no trade list. Um, so there's, there's more flexibility in where he could potentially end up. And with him, with two years left on his deal, less money overall, it might make, you know, that type of a move a little easier if the Isles have to incentivize a trade by adding a piece or two. I believe the primary or one of the reasons anyway, why they moved away, you know, Taves to Colorado for two second round picks was to have an extra, you know, couple of picks in there if they need to add, you know, an extra piece for a team to take on Boychuk's contract. It's a $6 million cap hit, but the dollar amount is only five and a quarter million this season and next. That's owed to him versus a $12 million, you know, total from a cap perspective, $6 million this year, $6 million next. So the money makes a lot of sense of the actual dollars, but what team is willing to take on that, that $6 million cap hit, right. that's what's made, I would imagine, making things a little bit more difficult. Talking with Dave Paniota of the fourth period, he is the editor in chief. And Dave, our fact checkers are telling us that you are right. You are right that uh, Komarov <laughs> has a seven-team no-trade list. But I wanted to right. focus a little bit here to uh, Patrick Liney. Obviously, he's the been a big focus for basically every other fan base uh, across the National Hockey League, including the Winnipeg Jets. I wanted to know, as far as an Islander perspective goes. Is there any chance that there's a deal to be made there? Uh, and other than that, what is the likelihood that Line A is still a Winnipeg Jet once the 2020-2021 season starts? I mean, before his agents came out and, and you know helped spread the message publicly that, that a change would be mutually, quote-unquote, mutually beneficial, um, I was still expecting a trade to occur at some point during the offseason. So this might have accelerated things or helped accelerate uh, things taking it to a different level to maybe put the entire league on notice that yeah we, we've got to figure out this divorce here as amicably as we possibly can in order to get something going now the Jets don't have to make the move by any stretch they've got him and they have control of him until he's an unrestricted free agency they got him for at least four more years but you know in this type of situation you know you don't want that kind of presence in your room uh, especially if the player just doesn't want to be there. And, and I think the, re- the message was relayed when he signed his deal last offseason that, hey, I, if a change of scenery is, is in the works, I wouldn't object. That obviously has been, you know, uh, taken up a few notches here with the messaging through the agents. Now, as far as the Islanders are concerned, I mean, if, if I'm the Winnipeg Jets, I'm looking at a Pelic or a Pulak that have to be put into a deal. Right. Mm. And on on top of that, the money has to work beyond those guys. It's going to take more than them in order to facilitate a trade for a 22-year-old guy that I still believe can be a 40-goal consistent guy in the National Hockey League. Um, 
but you're going to have to add additional pieces to that. You're going to have to make the salaries work from, from a cap perspective. It's a, it's a difficult trade, no question. And it's going to leave a mark in another area, which would presumably be the blue line for the Islanders if they were to engage in, in this type of uh, trade discussion. So you've got to be a comfortable with giving away either Pulak or Pelic in a deal, adding to that plus making the money work. Right. And it's still hard to believe that he's still only 22 years old, but um, right. to, to keep it on the, <laughs> yeah. And to keep it on the Islanders for a second with, with the stable ownership and management now that's in place and the new arena that's coming, it kind of has the Islanders and their fans feeling like there'll be bigger players in the free agent market, you know, whether it's now or going forward and maybe get off some of those no-trade lists they might have been on in the past. Uh, is there a sense of that outside of Islander country, and perhaps in your opinion? Well, look, the, the primary reason that a lot of uh, you know free agents are attracted to a different team is how quickly can they compete. And if there's an opportunity to compete on a consistent basis, that makes it that much more attractive to a, to a, a free agent. Uh, so with the Islanders, A, you know, making it to a conference final, having a pretty solid, you know, very solid core, relatively young core for the most part, uh, with, you know, the blue line with, as I mentioned, you know, Pellick and Pulak and Dobson coming up right. uh, as, as part of the mix. And you've got Barzell kind of leading the charge um, with the rest of the guys kind of in, in mid to late 20s, maybe a couple in the early 30s. There's still a lot that can take this group. You've got a really good young goaltender that's coming up that hopefully, you know, everybody's anticipating, myself included, that Sorokin's going to pan out. So it certainly is an attractive team. Add to the fact that you've got arguably, you know, one of the best ownership uh, duos in the National Hockey League. Plus, you've got uh, a new a new barn that's that's coming into the mix in, in you know, not next season, but the year after. Um, it's certainly an attractive environment to be in. Uh, you know, so I think that they're positioning themselves well to be competitive in, you know, next off season and the year after that, the off season after that, in terms of being able to pounce on some of the top tier free agents at that point. Um, so we'll, we'll ultimately see what direction they, they end up taking with it. But um, this is, this is a strong group, a strong team, strong ownership and, and the overall vibe of this team I can tell you is certainly something that, that other players that are looking at free agency down the road are certainly considering as a potential if they were to hit the, the open market, you know, next off season, whenever that may be. Talking with Dave Panyota of the fourth period. He is the editor in chief over there. You can also hear him on Sirius XM uh, on the fourth period. They have a radio show there as well. Uh, Dave, uh, looking at, at the broader scope at the moment, obviously one of the first big pieces was the Taylor Hall uh, signing in Buffalo, which really kind of, I think, in my opinion, was was the one that was going to shake some other things loose. Is that the case? Is some of the signings we've seen since uh, Taylor Hall is signed in Buffalo have they kind of been in reaction to, or you know, kind of a follow up to that signing? Uh, as you saw, other players waiting to make that, for, waiting for Hall to make that first move. I should say. Yeah, I, I think you know it's an interesting. It, it's a weird slash interesting offseason because the, the, there, there were, there's three different tiers in this one. You've got the goalie market, which is pretty much solidified, minus you know a few you know longtime veterans that are still looking for some new homes, whether it's Craig Anderson or Jimmy Howard or whoever. Um, and then you had the defensive market, which was really led by Petrangelo, but crewed right behind him. And then some of the other kind of guys that that 
fell into place there. And then it was the forward crop. Right. Um, and, and, you know, so it, it was kind of like goalies got out of the way relatively quickly. And, you know, once Vancouver knew that they weren't going to be able to sign Jacob Markstrom, they went right after Braden Holpe pretty quick. And then the dominoes really fell there. I was expecting Petrangelo to kind of lead the charge. And then all of a sudden St. Louis said, okay, well, we can't make this work. <laughs> all right, Tory Krug, take all the money. So, <laughs> and and that, really, that really made the, the domino effect begin from a blue line perspective, because then, you know, it was pretty much solidifying that Petro was probably going to Vegas and then TJ Brody and Chris Tanev and so on and so on started, you know, finding new homes really from a top defensive perspective. I, I would say Hamannick and, and uh, Sammy Botnin are, are the two guys that are still out there. That would be part of like a top 10 defensive UFAs that were available. And then it was a forward crop and a lot of people were waiting. And I know that, uh, you know, Hoffman's camp and Dadanov's camp and Granlund and Halla and a lot of these guys were waiting to see what was going to happen with Taylor Hall. He signs the one-year deal in Buffalo, and I expected there initially to be, okay, we're going to just bang out these guys pretty quick, and that just hasn't been the case because I think the one-year deal for Taylor Hall changed the dynamic of discussions. Right. He didn't get an offer beyond four years from any of the teams that were pursuing him, an actual offer. Uh, maybe they were discussing long-term this and that, but in terms of actual offers, I was told he didn't get anything that was A, longer than four years, and B, the $8 million for an AAV was the highest he got anywhere. Wow. So the money just wasn't there, which is one of the big reasons why he went on the one-year deal path, and that affected the rest of the market. Now, I think the three-year, $15 million deal that Dadanov got actually helps Mike Hoffman in his argument that he's he was going into this looking at six, seven million. Now he's got to take a step back and look at five to six. Well, he's a better player overall than Dadanov and, and much better offensively. So you've got the argument there that, yeah, I got to make more than this guy. If it's a one-year deal, so be it. So I expected a lot of that to happen. We just haven't seen it yet. And it's not an overly deep, free agent crop, um, you know, overall. But at the same time, Hoffman's still available. Eric Hollis sitting there still waiting. Michael Granley, or Mikel Granley, excuse me, still waiting. Same situation. Duclair at Tennessee. And, you know, Perry is still, you know, exploring options. He's not going to be back in Dallas. You've got Alex Galchenyuk that revived himself a little bit in the short stint in Minnesota. But no teams are willing to give him, you know, the, the bucks they want him to have a prove me kind of year. So we're at this standstill right now. And, and Josh Levo being another player, um, you know, from a mid tier third line kind of offensive perspective, same situation. So a lot of these players are sitting back, just kind of waiting for teams that are trying to penny pinch, but know that the teams can spend a little more. So it's a bit of a waiting game at the moment. Dave, I wanted to ask you, obviously, one of the uh, the more recent signings, the bigger signings, obviously, Joe, Dor- Joe Thornton signing with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, I wanted to get your take on it because I was curious what the reasoning was behind it. I, I mean, I understand Joe Thornton is a bit of a, a, you know, a great locker room guy, but is it is it really something that the Toronto Maple Leafs really need at the moment that'll make them, uh, you know, a, a contender for going into next season? I mean, it, it helps. Um, it, it absolutely does. And, and, you know, Toronto's issue for the last uh, umpteen years has been, you know, yeah, they've got a bunch of skill, 
but they haven't been able to complement that skill. And we've seen it with other teams that have won the Stanley Cup. We see it with the Islanders and what they're bringing to the table to have that physical presence that can get a little dirty and grimy and gritty and have that jam in the lineup, be it lines one through four, it doesn't matter. There's some kind of presence there. Maybe it's coming from the blue line. Maybe it's your third line, whatever it may be. The Leafs don't have that. And it's been a while since they have. I mean, early 2000s, like that, that long. Um, so you can have all the skill in the world, but you've got to be able to complement it with that additional, uh, those intangibles that teams absolutely need. And championship teams have those. The Leafs have lacked it for some time. I like the addition of Wayne Simmons. I like the addition of Joe Thornton in the lineup. And they got better from a defensive perspective with the additions of, of Zach Bogosian and uh, TJ Brody. The issue that I have with the Leafs right now and and this is just overall, you look at their top two lines, they still that jam's not there. I mean, Zach Hyman is your, you know, he's your top line left winger. You're not going to take Austin Matthews or Willie Nylander off that line. He's the guy that gels well, or nicely anyway, with them. But he's not going to go into the corners and get dirty. So if they're expecting, you know, maybe they take a chance with Jimmy VC after signing him, and maybe he plays with Tavares and, and, and Mitch Marner, and maybe that works, but they still don't have it from a top perspective. And if they don't, that's fine, providing they're getting some assistance from the two defensemen in the back end. But it's something that they've lacked for a while. So overall, I like the addition of, of Joe Thornton there. He's going to bring that extra punch to that lineup that's needed, but he's not going to be on the ice as often as Austin Matthews is, as often as John Tavares is. So if teams are taking runs at those guys, you need somebody there to step up. They haven't had it. They got a little bit more on the on it this off season, but they're still they're still lacking it from a top presence perspective. Gotcha. And the last one we'll leave you with, David, is obviously everything is fluid with with uh, the world we're in right now as far as the start of next season goes. There's a target date right now, January 1st. I believe it was the owner of the Vegas Golden Knights that said he believes maybe the season might start around February 1st. Is there any update on that? And you have any just sort of opinion on where that might end up? It, uh, I, I believe we're going to see a start sometime in January. Um, but I can tell you in talking to a bunch of people with the league after Bill Foley came out with all this, um, that it's one scenario that's being played out. They have start dates for the 1st of January, for the 15th, for the 1st of February, for the 15th of February, mm. March 1st. Wow. They have all these options that are played out based on what the heck is going to happen here in the next few weeks um, or, or month or two. I can tell you that they're looking at making a decision or hoping to make a decision in about four or five weeks time, roughly a month from now is when they'd like to have a clearer indication as to when the season's going to start a, when camps are going to begin and how B they're going to be able to pull this off. So they're also creating different scenarios on, uh, are we going to have a revised uh, divisional matchups uh, throughout the course of the season for the one year? Uh, is you know the Canadian, and that's where the Canadian division kind of falls into play. If there's border closures, you know at least for the first half of the season, it's going to make things tremendously difficult. Yeah. So they're going to, you know, and we may have a, a schedule that gets revised based on tra- uh, travel across borders. So we may say, all right, we're going to roll with this schedule. This is what the full season schedule is going to look like. But by the halfway point, if things open up. 
then all right, we're going to revert to schedule B mm. that allows for tra- cross border. Tra- There's so many different scenarios, guys. It's pretty yeah. nuts. Um, so it's really hard to predict what way they're going to go. All I can tell you, speaking of the people high up in the league, is there's going to be a season. It's just a matter of when and how they're going to play out. And I guess that's all that really matters. Well, David, awesome, awesome stuff. Really appreciate your time and hanging out with us tonight. And uh, hopefully we'll have you on again down the road. That'd be great, guys. Had fun. Thanks so much. Thank you. Take care. All right, folks. That was Mr. David Panyota of the fourth period and Sirius XM NHL. Great stuff from him, and nice little end there talking about the beginning of the season. Found it very interesting, the four- to five-week window to try to get things kind of sewn up as right. far as what the game plan's going to be. And, again, with the way they kind of knocked the whole return to play out of the park with the postseason for this past year, the way that went so well, I, you got to feel good about, you know, whatever they got brewing here for what's what's to come in the next season. Yeah, it's it'll be fascinating to see how it plays out. I think that makes the most sense that they have these different scenarios of what's to come because you really don't know the situation. You know, there's a concern, obviously, of another spike in cases and COVID across the country. We're seeing it a bit now um, in various states. We've seen it here in New York and in various regions of the of the state and, in you know, nearby tri-state areas. So it, it, there's a lot of moving pieces with this, and I think it was interesting to see Bill Foley come out and really say, you know, I don't expect the season until February. Yeah. Uh, you had Eugene Melnick in a story for another outlet talking about, you know, the prep preparedness and everything that's going on in Ottawa, saying he doesn't expect fans to be the, in the building until February. And even that, he, you know, they're, the Ottawa Senators are planning for about, I believe in the story it said 25% in, in their venue. So Interesting. you'd have to imagine that'd be a similar adaptation across the rest of the NHL, similar to how you see in some NFL buildings. I don't think the NHL would universally allow certain cities to have fans and certain cities not to have fans. The mm. NHL is such a gate-driven league that they need all 31 teams to have fans in their building. Um, For the Islanders, it'll be interesting, especially considering how small the Nassau Coliseum is. When you take what is roughly a 13,900-seat hockey venue Mm -hmm. and divide it, not divide it, but you cut it down to 25%, that's 25%. That's only about 3,000 and change in fans in the building. So it's interesting to see how that would play out because it's a small building, obviously, you know, 30, 30 something hundred fans are still it still feels like a lot in a small building but it's 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 a lot it's not a lot of people to open up an entire arena for yeah and you also wonder how the teams are preparing for that too as far as pricing because I mean look we don't it's hard to gauge how many people are going to actually be interested and want to be in the building some people are going to be more cautious than others right but if there's some sort of high demand given the low amount of tickets that are going to be available are they, you think they're going to have the balls to jack the prices up i think it would be (laughs) i don't think they would because i think there's a there's somewhat of an understanding of you have to know that people are not going to take too kindly whenever we get back to some normalcy in 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 this world yeah where you have a full building you have full arenas people are going to remember hey team x decided to jack up the prices in the middle of a pandemic Mm -hmm. where people were willing to go and and go to see these events you just can't do it you're not going to get away with it in this moment especially with hockey fans who are much more blue collar you know nba fans maybe you get away with it nfl fans Mm -hmm. uh nfl teams maybe get get away with it major league baseball i mean they they struggle to get people in the door so i don't know (laughs) if they get away with it (laughs) but uh, the nhl is not a league that can get away with that kind of thought process and and nor should they try i think it would be the wrong i think they did the wrong thing to do it doesn't seem like a good pr move but 
look, when it comes to ticketing in sports, you, you see that kind of ruthless stuff all the time, so it wouldn't necessarily surprise me, but I'd be very interested to see. I think people would remember. People would remember that. You know, you say that, and even though I'm not a football guy and all that, but, you know, they have that whole system, right, where you have to pay for the right, right the to PSL, buy your tickets, personal right? personal seat license. I mean, to me, not to go off on a tangent on that stuff, but I just find that insane, that you yeah. have to buy the rights to buy your tickets. And you look at something like that, and it's like, you know what's what's going to stop these these owners or you know right? But to, I think from from jacking the price up when they're already losing money because they can only bring in twenty five percent or whatever percent it is, and they can only sell so many tickets. So they might say, hey, look, because we're only be able to sell three four thousand tickets, we're going to have to put a premium on these. I don't know. I just don't think that's that's something that the NHL teams can get away with, especially teams like the Islanders or the New Jersey Devils or these small market teams where they, um, you know, already. I don't want to say struggle. Struggle is not the right word, but the the presence of mind and the average sports fans, they yeah. are not at the forefront. Let's put it that way, unless it's the playoffs <laughs> or something like that. Right. So I don't know. I don't think the, those teams can get away with it, nor would I Nor would I hope they would try to, and I hope that the people who cover this team, cover those teams, would, would hold, them to the, hold their feet to the fire for some stunt like that. Right. Well, for the fans' sake, hopefully that's the case, and, and just hopefully that they're able to start letting people into the building soon because yeah. I know there's a lot a lot of you folks out there that are itching to get in there. I'm one of them too. Well, I saw on a fan group that uh, apparently they're using the Nassau Coliseum parking lot again for for uh, to store cars. Oh, really? That, they, that, that I guess a, to- a Toyota dealership or something had started putting cars in the, I guess, in the lot near the Marriott. So, um, I mean, the county's got to make money somehow, and that building's <laughs> just sitting there. So yeah. it makes sense. But it is funny that, you know, all the years that they talked about trying to revamp that entire area and, you know, get away from that, they're right back to where it was before with that building. But, yeah, hey, Belmont's funny. right around the corner. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's, it's a year away, essentially. If they're going to start that following season in October like they plan on, we are literally under a year away if it has that early October start. Yeah. It's pretty wild. Yeah. Well, again, everything everything's so... If there's been one, I don't even want to say bright side, but if there's one positive for all the chaos, it's that there's there's this idea now, or there's there's, there's a precedent, I guess you could say, that um, you know this season, next season is going to be pushed back. It's probably going to be a little condensed. It's you know, right. we don't know when it's going to start. We don't know when it's going to end. Right. So the start of the 2021 2022 season likely going to get you know pushed back as well. So you know, is the arena ready in, at that point for for that season? So yeah, who knows. All right, well, let's let's key on a couple other things we discussed with with Dave, and then we'll move back to the to the Isles. Never heard of him, right? Of course. Well, <laughs> you brought up Patrick Line, and it sounds like that dream is is far fetched as far as the Islanders fetching him, yeah. in a trade because of what the demand likely will be. And it's so funny, as I said to David, like you forget that this dude is only twenty two. <laughs> I mean, some guys don't even start their career until 22, 23, and it already feels like he's been in the league forever. He's been such a big part of that organization in Winnipeg. Right. So having all those years still ahead of him and the potential for being a 40-goal scorer on your team, it's going to be a big demand to bring him in. And when Dave starts rattling off names like Pellick and Pullock, yeah. how do you even afford to consider that you already, when you've already unloaded Devontae? Exactly. He's like a non-starter now. A hundred percent. Yeah, you can't do it. I mean, especially because Pulock and Pellick are essentially the future of your defensive, the future of the organization's defense, right? Those are your number one and two defensemen. And no Dobson. And no Dobson is three, sure. But I'm saying right now, as far as your active defensemen, the sure. guys who are getting the majority of the time, these okay. are your number one and two defensemen yes. 
on in the lineup, mm-hmm. night in and night out. They're going against the top guys on, on opposing teams. You know, they're they're logging long minutes. They're being put out in key situations. Those are the two guys that are being out there, being put out there. Mm-hmm. That is a pill that you just cannot swallow at this point. You yeah. cannot, even if it's for a Patrick Line. The one name I really like that that Dave mentioned a couple times is Anthony Duclair. I would really like to see Anthony Duclair on the Islanders. I think he'd come at a reasonable. He's a very interesting name. He'd come as at a reasonable rate. Mm-hmm. I think obviously he's has some baggage. I understand that mm-hmm. in different cities he's been in, but I like him as a player. I like the the offensive possibility that he can he can bring. And you mm-hmm. put him on a line. You look maybe you put, put him, him next a to second, Pajot. Put him next to Pajot. That's not a bad line right there. Yeah. That's a pretty good third line that. Um, I think could create a lot of excitement for for Islander fans that are watching this team, and he's gonna come at a reasonable rate at this point. Right. You know, the deeper we get into the off season, the more reasonable rate these guys are gonna come in. Sure. Um, you know Hoffman, he, you know, same thing. Hoffman, obviously, I don't, I don't think is a realistic possibility for the Islanders at this point, but his rate is going down as the the days go on that he's still on the free agent market. Because right. It's because the situation with a lot of these teams, they're losing cap space because they're going out and they're signing these little tiny small pieces mm-hmm. that are taking up those those spaces that maybe a Hoffman would have taken. I like Duclair as a player that could fit fit in that spot and fit a role for the New York Islanders. I would not be against taking a flyer on Duclair. I, I agree with the points that you hit at on him. I think, you know, because look... The third line looks a lot better now, obviously, with Pajot there. It was right. such a black hole before they acquired him at the trade deadline. And obviously, he has definitely stabilized that. But there's still a question mark on who's going to really be flanking him there, right? Right. Whether yeah. it's Because it was a bit of a rotating mix of guys. Absolutely. Whether it's Broussard coming back. You know, Lou trying to keep the whole band together. <laughs> I would honestly, I'd rather have a Duclair back instead of Broussard at this point. I think well, there's a little think, more opportunity there. Well, I think you could potentially have both of them there. One on one wing and one on the other. True. Because that's the thing. We don't know. I don't think anybody's really cemented themselves on either wing on that line. True. That's true. Whether it's Dal Cole, whether it's Ross Johnston in a reach, (laughs) or or if it's a guy like Duclair or Broussard. So there's some options. I think the only locked in guy there is is Pajot. Yeah. No, that's fair. So you can play around with that. You know? So maybe you get both if you can. You know? Again, it has to be a reason. Three former centers in one line. (laughs) That's right. You know? The Ottawa line. Yeah, exactly. Well, look, the possibilities that'd be are fun. There. That'd be a fun line. I think actually, it would. That'd be a, that'd be a really that. fun line to watch night in and night out. Yeah, and I think you, you have an argument for, for depth throughout the lineup if you're able to pull that off. Again, we're going to see really what kind of money that the Islanders are able to play with once there is some sort of conclusion to the to the Boychuk question, right. assuming that there even is one. Because, look, I'm, the possibility remains that he may not get dealt because Luke can't find a dance partner. It, it, his contract, <laughs> and is then it becomes tough. a problem. Yeah, his contract, yeah. and that, that's why I asked Dave. You know, Dave's been on top of a lot of Islander moves. Oh yeah, since Lou Lamarillo took over, right? Um, and that's the one thing I was really curious about. Obviously, we can speculate about it, but sure. what was the impact of also the fact that you know Boychuk has a bit of control over his destiny at this point? Um, you know, kind right. of what we were talking about before we had Dave on. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the same thought. What is the what? How much does that play into it? So it, it's fascinating to see this all play out because we all knew. Again, we talked about it last week. We knew the situation with Boychuk was going to come at a certain point in his contract mm-hmm. when he signed it. Right. That was kind of the that was the lump you had to take when he re-signed with the New York Islanders. Yeah, and in, sure. in 2014-15, you're like, I'll take that. Yeah. I'll take that because, you know, it was so far down the line. You would take line. anybody back then. Right. It was so exciting just to sign names like that. I remember how, how like, 
desperate Islander fans were just waiting for right. the news of Boychuk re-signing. That was the big thing that year. Like, is he going to re-sign? You remember Stan Fischler after every after every game <laughs> yeah. asking, you're going to sign, you're going to sign, and Boychuk kept being coy about it, you know? So, yeah, it was it was huge. And, 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 yes, it was worth it at the time. So, yeah, but now, like I said, you're, roosters have come home to roost. Chickens come home to ch- I don't know. The you, you nailed it. <laughs> Something <got> has it. <laughs> come home to roost. Yeah, yeah, you got it. There are eggs involved. It's fine. It's some sort of chicken or a rooster you'd see on a we, farm. We get what you're trying know. to say. Yeah. One, one day you'll, you'll nail your cliches. I got to look this up. <laughs> it's fine. It's not a big Chickens deal. come home. Chicks come home to roost? Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's well, gonna, any, well, it's anyway, going to bug me. It's it's fine. It's you you can sort me. it out after the show. But <laughs> to, to keep moving forward here, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess you know, Dave has a point. Maybe if there are any additions, it's more in a in a middle six capacity than a top six, and maybe that isn't music to some Islander fans' ears because you know when I mentioned the depth that the roster could potentially have if they do maybe bring Brassard back and put a Duclair on the other wing there on the third line. You might still find yourself a little bit disappointed with what's up at, at the top. I mean, you, you like Lee, maybe you like Everly. Some people aren't so thrilled with Everly right now. Yeah. The numbers that he should be putting up, then it makes it more palatable. And then obviously, you kind of have it. A lot of it's going to hinge on Bavillier. If he continues his play from what he showed us in the playoffs, that's going to help a lot yeah. going forward in that yep. top six. Yep. And you know, I'm perfectly fine with with Brock Nelson and Josh Bailey as as your you know the, your second line center and right wing there. I'm fine. Yeah, that's fine. With the chickens come home to roost. By the way, that's oh, you the did it, buddy. Way to go! Good. I'm so proud of you. Way to go, man! You, you stuck with it, <laughs> and you finally got it. So I think we can we can move on a little bit from what we were talking with Dave about. We can kind of you know go back to to what we were kind of discussing before. Some, there was some other minor moves that we can right, touch right, on with right. the Islanders and then just kind of go from there. In fact, we might as well, real quick, before we dive back in, we got one more break to take, folks. So I want to thank you all for tuning in to Hockey Night in New York. Remember, you can tune in live or for the archives at HockeyNightNY.com. We'll be right back. When it comes to Long Island hockey swag, no one does it better than Yes Men Outfitters, the independent lifestyle brand born on the island to support the game, the team, and the players you love. Orange and blue are your team colors. Visit yesmenoutfitters.com for a wide selection of themed shirts, hats, hoodies, and newly added masks and tumblers. All apparel is designed and created in-house with the same passion and dedication as your favorite team on the ice. So upgrade your wardrobe and show off your pride today by visiting yesmenoutfitters.com. And don't forget to use promo code HNINY for 15% off your order. Yes Men Outfitters, stick to the system. Hope you enjoyed the ads. Now let's get back to Hockey Night in New York with Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. Welcome back to the program. Thank you for listening to our Yes Men Outfitters ad. Remember, check out YesMenOutfitters.com for all his fantastic swag. Their fantastic swag. Always churning out the new stuff. T-shirts, hats, all great stuff. Moving on, Christian. Let's reel it back in to some of the, I suppose, more minor moves that the Islanders have made in this past week. It wasn't just Devon Taves. It wasn't just Corey Schneider. But Grant Hutton, if you're keeping tabs on him, he re-signed with the team. <laughs> Restricted free agent, yes. Mitch Van Sample. Van de Sample? Mitch Van de Sample. Van He's the guy that, that, again, uh, Bridgeport's head coach Brent Thompson 
honed in on a bit too. He's he's someone that he said for Islander fans to keep an eye on going into next season, whenever the AHL season starts. And Parker Wertherspoon. That now, is correct. Which of those two defensemen had the injury that put them out? Van de Sample. It was Van yeah, de Sample. And he's still on the radar. Yeah. Okay. Again, someone Islander fans, according to Brent Thompson, should be excited for. And they pulled a player away from the Calgary Flames, Austin Danger Zarnik. Uh, he's a new addition. Actually, my name is Austin Powers. It says here, name Danger Powers. No, 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 no. Danger's my middle name. Danger is his, his middle name. It's not. It's I'm, not. I honestly <laughs> want to interview him just to ask him. So is, is Danger your middle name? Is Danger your middle name? Anyway, he comes over from the Calgary <laughs> Flames. Not sure what he's going to bring to the table. He's put up some good numbers in the AHL, though. Depth signing. Um, he's and he's also, got a couple of games with the Flames. He's got a couple of games with the Flames. He, he'll most likely, I would imagine, he's a guy that's going to be in Bridgeport next season. He also, I believe, is eligible to be um, put up in the the expansion draft. or Yeah, expansion draft. So I'm sure that plays a factor into it, too. Perhaps. Uh, so, I, it's again, it's a depth move. It wasn't. I don't foresee it being much more than just a depth move other than for us to get a, to play that little silly sounder. <laughs> right. And for that, I hope he's with the Islanders all 68 games that they end up playing next year. Yeah, season. hopefully he earns a role so that we can just beat people over the head with a danger <laughs> nickname and just keep using it from here kind on out. Kind of like Tony and uh, Nickelback. Exactly, exactly. I got to watch that movie again, by the way. It's oh, Austin Powers, yeah. Yeah, we were so talking funny. about that before the show. Yeah. It's a great movie. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen that. You know, I still haven't seen Goldmember. It's dumb. That was you the know, last one, right? You don't need to see it. No? Okay. No, I see it. okay. If you didn't see it, I mean, it's fine. Don't get me yeah. wrong. It's it's what you'd expect from an Austin Powers movie, but not you're okay. not missing anything. All right, fair enough. Well, that's our little sidetrack into, into the, movie, Powers. the movie world. Yes, and Austin Powers. So reeling it back in, you know, where do we go from here? We talked about line A, and, you know, are there any potential trade targets? I mean, is... Like if Ellers was on the table, maybe not demanding as much as Line. I know we've talked about about this a little bit before. I mean, you wonder what they might be able to pull off with a deal with a guy like that, where maybe they don't have to give up a Pollock or a Pellick. But I, I gotta say, I, I don't think there's a lot of hope on the trade market with the way this is shaking out and with the demand that Dave, you know, kind of discussed with us. Like, I'm not sure what assets the Islanders really have to move to get anybody of real significance at this point. I, I mean, it's, you know, we're going to be a couple of depth signings, but there, there's no space for them to do anything really. It's I mean, they really have to maneuver a lot of, a lot of money. There's and players. There's not a, well, yeah, there's not a lot of cap space. There's not a lot of roster space. And you have this situation where they just, I mean, when you look beyond the, the players that are actually with the team, I mean, the, the, the prospect pool is really starting to dry up. I mean, you know, it wasn't too long ago where they were towards the top of Corey Promen's organizational rankings at The Athletic, (laughs) and they have taken a bit of a nosedive. They're towards the bottom of the league now because the cupboard's kind of bare. I mean, that's what happens when you start dealing away your first and second round draft picks. But unfortunately, it's just there's not a – they don't have a lot of enticing pieces for deals. And, and the reality is, you you know, you might point to those two draft picks that they got from Colorado, but one or both – are going are probably yeah. going with with Johnny Boychuk if yeah. he gets dealt. Yeah, I mean, look if they can pull off, you know, just dealing him with one of those picks. I mean, that's a bit of a win. But do they even unload the other one, or they do? Do they want to hang on to it just so that they can start padding the pool a little bit? It'll be interesting. It's it's a, it's something that it, it's so far off to think about. 
And and honestly, it's hard to think about right now because I, 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 for the time being, while we're in this kind of COVID world and where these organizations are all going to deal with this flat cap, those are commodities that are just going to be moved around between a lot of different organizations. So, I, you know, I think a lot of teams are going to start being put in that position where their prospect pool is going to dry up a little because they're having to deal picks. They're having to deal um, these prospects because they need the cap space. They need to move you know, player X and they need a sweetener. So, uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting because you're, you're looking at teams like the Ottawa's, the Buffalo's, the Detroit's, all these teams that kind of have all this cap space um, who are going to be the ones that are kind of running the gauntlet as far as the younger, the picks in the prospect pool because they're in the spot to take on a lot of these bad contracts or expensive contracts or whatever the case may be. Um, and they're going to say, we want something else in return other than just taking player X because player X is 37 and yeah. he's going to break down in about two months. So we want, right. you know, this kid from your your AHL team or this draft pick, which takes away from, from that organization. So I, I, some of these teams, I think, kind of are in the driver's seat with, with being able to retool their organization. Right. And I guess one thing we can kind of close on after having spoken about the Devon Taves trade and, and obviously the expectation of Noah Dobson bumping up and apparently the imminent re-signing of Andy Green – why don't we just take a quick look at this decor, this new remodeled decor sure. that they're going to have, where obviously you'll still have Pelican Pullock up at the top yep. pairing, and then that's when things start to change. I had read a piece by Arthur Staple, who had started to kind of look at this himself, yeah. and he projected Letty moving up into that second pair with Scott Mayfield, and then seeing Green together with familiar face Noah Dobson, as you might remember, as we might remember, mm. you know, they look good together in training camp right. for the restart. And, you know, maybe that's a pair that they continue to rely on and maybe continue to shield Dobson's minutes a little bit as he continues to acclimate himself to the NHL game. So, is I mean, is there any way you can look at that that group of six and say it's as good or better than what they had, you know, just before this trade was made? It's I it's got the potential I, to be. It does. It does. Because but, there are high expectations but, on Dobson. Right. That's the, whether or not he can meet them. That's the thing. It becomes the question. Is Noah Dobson going to be the guy that we saw in Game 6 of the Eastern Conference Finals where he had a phenomenal performance there in the limited minutes he was given? Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he was out there in some, in some tough spots, and he did very well, and that's very – good experience for a kid like Noah Dobson and having Andy Green next to you I think is also valuable for the Islanders there's a reason why they like him so much obviously yeah. his playoff experience um and what he did for the Islanders during the postseason I should say was phenomenal and that really I think kind of changed the game too and changed some of the thought process about Andy Green mm. but going forward now with knowing that Noah Dobson is going to be put in this role and the expectations on him having a veteran presence like Andy Green next to you mm. Is such a benefit, and we talk sure. about, talk about locker room guys. I mean, that's Andy Green, such a good locker room and guy. And the Isles love their locker room they guys. Do. So that's obvious. And he's such a good guy to have next to Noah Dobson to kind of be that mentor and be that teacher and, and kind of be that guy that he can go to mm-hmm. and and rely upon to to develop his game more and more. You're always going to have the coaching staff around him, but there is something to be said about having a veteran guy like that next to you. Uh, night in and night out in the trenches. So that's that's a positive for the Islanders. And, and Andy Green, too, he can kind of clean up some of those mistakes as well on the ice. If Noah Dobson comes up short, Andy Green is a reliable veteran defensive presence that's going to go act back there and kind of clean up that mistake. Yeah, I guess for me and perhaps some more of you guys out there, you know, when you look at Andy Green and, and the the good body of work that he had since he joined the organization, you wonder 
with him, I believe, turning 38 this month, you just wonder how long's the guy going to hold up playing every night, you know, whether it's 60 to 82 games during the season. Is he going to still be that Andy Green we saw recently? Because, look, the, the closer you get to 40, the, the quicker the wheels start to fall <laughs> off. <laughs> that's, no, just, that's just the way it goes. So, you know, I don't, I don't blame any Islander fans out there for having a little pause about what this decor might look like. Look, I don't think it's going to be a, a disaster by any I'm not even alluding close to that. I mean, the good thing is is that the success of the defense of this team is built around the system and built around players playing their roles. We saw how they can be, you know, hurt by it when a guy like Pellet goes down, but with I think the six that they have assuming that they're healthy, they'll be able to kind of, you know, keep things going the way they were. It remains to be seen, and again, like like we were just saying, it, it rests a lot on what Dobson's able to bring to the table now in a, in a more important role. And then I guess you ask beyond that, who's your seventh defenseman now if Johnny Boychuk does get shipped out? Is that does that become Aho? Does that become Thomas right, Hickey? Right. You well, know? I think it would indicate maybe it's Aho, or maybe Aho the deal he signed, and maybe Aho finally gets a chance. That Left too. side D. And, you know, he's got some offensive upside. I mean, the guy's kind of been toiling he's, away. He's been a star down in Bridgeport. Yeah. Every year he's been down. He's been down there three seasons. He's been an all-star for all three Maybe seasons. he finally gets a chance. Maybe he platoons a little bit with Green because of his age. Right. You It'll know? be interesting. I think it's it's tough to say um, what what's going what's gonna to play out. I think the hope, in the, the hope lies on Noah Dobson turning into the product that the Islanders expect and hope him to be. And that's a lot of ifs on, on, a, on, a, on a kid's shoulders. So, uh, right. what is he, nineteen twenty at this point? So, yeah, 19, I think. That's, that's a lot of hope to put on a kid's shoulders. But yeah. um, this is his opportunity. This is his chance to step up. He got a chance during the postseason. You saw him a little bit here and there right. um, earlier in the year. And then, obviously, he got the more extended chance after Adam Pellet got hurt uh, in the second half of the season during the regular season. So, I think that experience starts to add up. I will be optimistic and say that no Dobson will be up to the task. If, okay. If the organization Sounds is saying, good. if the organization is saying we had so much faith in no Dobson that we decided to pull the trigger on a trade like no, uh, Devontae's, yeah, yeah. that has to mean something. Yeah. There has to be some organizational faith, and and that should say something to the rest of the fan base and you right. know people who who are observing this team. So. Again, a lot of ifs that need to pan out. <laughs> yeah. We'll see what happens. We will. We will. With that, buddy, I think we can wrap it up. Yes, I do. Okay. Well, folks, we want to send a big thanks out to David Padnota of the fourth period for joining us tonight. Great stuff from him. want to thank our sponsors, Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. Please head on over for great food, great service, and great Islander fans. Check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com. And also a big thanks to our sponsor, Thai Technology, a voiceover IP company providing phone services for businesses across the country. Check them out at TaiTechnology.com. That is T-I-E Technology.com for all your telecom needs. Or give them a call at 516-856-7800. And of course, thanks to you for tuning in. If you enjoy the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast provider. Tell your friends, spread the word. Follow Christian on Twitter at C underscore Arnold 01. Follow myself at Shawnee Hockey. And follow the show on all your social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hockey Night NY. We will return next week. There are more moves for the Islanders to be made. Hopefully we'll see some more of that. But either way, we'll be back. We'll be talking Isles. Have a great week. We will see you next time. For Christian Arnold, my name is Sean Cuthbert. Take care. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday night.